welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hope you enjoy today's sermon. We are in the book of Colossians. We've been doing a series and it's very fitting because of the way that it talks about our new life in Christ. And so we're going to just quickly look at a couple of things from the book today. And um, I think you'll see that it just blends well with what we've observed today in Jonathan being baptized in water. Colossians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the young church in the city of Colossae. He is writing to encourage this community with the knowledge of Jesus, the supremacy of Christ in all things. Christ is enough, right? As we sang, Christ is enough. And that to provide this strong and sure understanding to resist a false teaching or heresy that was trying to make its way in their midst. And I bet it's tried to make its way into your mind too. That heresy is a suggestion that either through following strict rules and exceedic practices or some other way of your own effort, can somebody say I've heard that this morning, that you could discover a deeper revelation outside of Christ. No, Colossians shows us that in Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. In Christ are all treasures of wisdom. In Christ, all things have been reconciled to God. Jesus takes first place in everything. Colossae was formerly a prominent city that had entered into a period of decline as other cities grew up around them. We've seen that happen. Their main industry had been fine wool. The fertile valley nearby produced figs and olives. But in the time of the early church, Colossae had declined to the status of a small town. However, in this letter, this young congregation in this small town is being elevated to a heavenly view of their place in God's universal kingdom. They are taught, and through them we're taught, that they are hidden in Christ, the supreme creator and sustainer of all things, that Christ has been victoriously raised and seated at God's right hand, and that our new life right now, is fully activated, even though we still have to live it out down here on the dusty earth, right? We have the life of God in us, in Christ. All things have been reconciled to God by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We have been rescued from that kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. Friends, we crossed the border, And we did it safely. We did it in the power of God. And we are brought into a new life in Christ. We are encouraged because of this to strip off the old life. Like rags, like old clothes. And put on the new. And that new wardrobe looks like this. Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience and forgiveness. And above all, love. A wardrobe of royalty, one that if you saw it on Pinterest, you'd be looking at it and say, I can't afford that, but boy, does it look good. But it's been given to you freely by the grace of God, this new wardrobe. 
Many commentators suggest that the imagery of new clothes comes from the early church custom during water baptism. What they would do is as the person was entering the water, they would take off an old garment. And then when they came up out of the water, someone was there ready with a new garment that they would put on them. And that's where this imagery comes from. And we've had an example right in front of our face today. We're going to briefly look at a portion of this letter. And, and this part is identified as the household code. Who's, who thinks that sounds like the most interesting thing ever? Great. Let's look at the household code. All right. Here we go. We're going to read verses 16 from chapter 3 through chapter 4, verse 5. And we're going to try to call out some interesting things from what is being written here. Starting at verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. I hope y'all were singing today. It's not about listening. It's about singing together. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray for your anointing in this next few minutes. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts. Anoint my speech as I share your word for us today and help us to grow closer to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Sandwiched in there is what has been called the household code, the part that began with wives submit to your husbands and ended with the masters be fair to your slaves. It's been interpreted in a lot of ways through the centuries. It is important to not begin with overlaying our own culture on this text to understand it and try, trying to understand it from there. Instead, we must consider the culture and the context of the time it was written and find out 
What are the principles God is giving us? And then finally, how can we apply them in the day and the time that we are living? So codes such as this existed in both Greek and Jewish writings. And there have been some that have, have um, puzzled over why did Paul take this paganized code and stick it in the middle of, of his writings? But, but there's a big difference, and, and I want to point this out. The Christian codes are not just a variation on a theme. The societal structures within this code are not necessarily being affirmed as God's best. For example, slavery. However, the code is offering guidance on how to live the Christian life within the existing structures of the time. All right? The society at the time had extreme hierarchy in place. The Christian household code was radical in that it not only spoke to the subordinate member of each pairing, but also to the head of the household or the superordinate. In fact, that head of the household receives three separate injunctions, while wives, children, and slaves each only receive one. Ben Witherington points out, what most distinguishes this household code from those of the pagan or Jewish world in general is that Paul is giving strong, limiting exhortations to the superordinate person in the family, the husband, father, master. Non-Christian household codes almost always direct exhortations only to the subordinate members of the household. What is new about the code here, then, is that the Christian limitations that are placed on the head of household, that is what would stand out to an ancient person hearing Paul's discourse for the first time. Marianne Thompson points out, but Paul does not establish or champion either the institutions of slavery or the hierarchical ordering of the family and state. These were given to him in the culture into which he was born and lived as a citizen of the Roman Empire. Paul's concern was that Christians whose lives are hidden with Christ in God should live for the Lord in whatever circumstances they find themselves in. Do you hear me, friends? Whatever circumstances you find yourself in, there's a way to do it with the light of Christ in your life. So Colossians showing is showing us that life in Christ is utterly different, that we can experience it in every aspect, at work, at home, in our community, not limited by whether or not the structures are as we would wish them to be but God's mighty power at work within us to be able to strip off the old ways and put on the new clothes, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. The message I want us to see today is that that this new life doesn't just work on Sunday. It is for every day, every place, every time. The household code was inserted right in the middle of injunctions about this new life. 
He was talking about that the message of Christ dwell in you richly. And then right after the last part, then he says, pray for me that I would speak the message as I should. It's talking about living this life fully that the gospel is represented well wherever we are. All right. So in this gift to the church, the letter to the Colossians, we see that supremacy of Christ and the dramatic difference that knowing him makes in our lives. We experience radical change when we accept the gospel. The contrast should be as extreme as the difference between day and night, light and dark, hot and cold, fresh and rotten. We are no longer bound to the ways of sin, the traditions of our culture, the brokenness of our world. We get to live out new full, abundant life. Literally everything changes. So here's a quick summary of some of the things we've seen that do a 180 when we receive Christ. Death to life. We were dead because of sins. Now, maybe you didn't feel dead, but friends, you were dead. That's what the scripture says. We were dead in our sins. Now, have you heard that saying dead as a doornail? Do you know how dead a doornail is? It's pretty darn dead. Okay, we were actually deader than a doornail because doornails aren't supposed to be alive, but you are. You were created for life in God. And when we're dead in our sins, we are super dead. But when we are made of alive, we are living according to how God has created us. We move from death to life. Hallelujah. Our debts have been paid. The debt of sin is a mountain too high for any one of us to climb. Now, I don't know how, how you've dealt with debt financially in your life, but when there's debt hanging over you, it, you feel it. You feel it. The debt of sin is more than that. It is beyond, we will never be able to pay it ourselves. Yet, when we come to Christ, it says he has canceled the debts through his um, death on the cross. The entire debt is paid, it's cleared, it's disappeared. We go from buried in debt to absolute freedom. Our enemies have been disarmed. Before Christ, the spiritual rulers and authorities had dominion over us. But the death of Jesus on the cross, it says he disarmed them. He left them powerless. We are no longer vulnerable to those invisible powers. You may feel the attack of the enemy in your thought life, in your emotional life. There are invisible powers out there that want to fire fiery darts at you, but you can be a conqueror over them. You, they have been disarmed. We move from victim to overcomer because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. All of these are ways that we have done a 180, a new way of seeing things. Our perspective has completely shifted when we enter God's kingdom. We set our view on heavenly things, looking to see God's kingdom come here on this earth, his glory revealed. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. But once you're born again, you've got new eyes and you see according to how God sees. Acting up, 
Before Christ, our behavior was characterized by self-centeredness. Now, sometimes we pick up those old clothes and put them right back on, folks, and we start acting up again. But listen, it shows up in all kinds of ways, and Paul listed them in chapter 3. Those are the old clothes that we're to strip off. They don't fit anymore. No more wearing those, no more us in charge, but allowing Jesus his rightful place. <laughs> I, I came up with this word, clubbing. Now, I'm not using it the way that it's probably usually used, and frankly, I don't have much experience with actual clubbing. But here's a thing that is true for all humanity. We have a propensity to categorize ourselves into different clubs, cliques, groups, and to put ourselves against others, think of ourselves as better than others, etc. Colossians has taught us that all that is meaningless in Christ. There is no longer any social division that becomes a barrier to entering the kingdom of God. All are welcome. Everyone can be redeemed no matter where you came from, no matter who your ancestors are, no matter what sins you've committed. Now, I want to make a point here. It's important to remember that that is not just applying to the front door. It's not saying like, oh, yes, anybody can come in. But once you're inside, we're going to resort ourselves again into our little clubs, cliques, who's, who's who. Uh-uh. In God's kingdom, we are all equal. There is no division anymore in Christ. Amen. Amen. New life brings a new way of living in every part, and that's what this household code was talking about. You see, in that culture, whoever was top dog really didn't have any rules. They could treat their wives harshly. They could aggravate their children. They could treat their slaves unkindly, and there was no reason not to. That's what's different. The Christian code says there is a Christian way for the leader to act as well. There is a Christian way for the husband to love and cherish his wife, to nurture and care for his children, to mentor and take care of, I think in today's culture, we would mostly say employees. It has become understood that we don't accept slavery, but there are still masters and employees, right? The boss. There are people that you work for. We can live according to Christ's new life in all of those situations. So here's how we're going to end. If you are here today, and you realize that you have never fully said yes to Jesus. This is a great day to do that. And I'm not going to just assume that you already have. The scripture says, today is the day of salvation. You know what that means? God just decided to say every day, every day it'll work. Whatever day that you say yes, I'm ready for you. He is not willing that any should perish. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, because of his love for the world, so that anyone who believes in him 
will have eternal life. Amen? And then the other thing is that most of us here today have made that commitment to the Lord. I know that about you. You said, I have decided to follow Jesus. But I want to make sure and ask you, are there times when you're wearing those old clothes? Are you putting on the old stuff when you head to work? When you head out with your friends? Here's what Paul described as the old ways. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. There's others, but these are the ones listed right here in Colossians. We have been set free from the kingdom of darkness, and these old clothes just don't fit anymore. So how we're going to end today is I'm going to open up the altar for a time of prayer. If you are ready to say, today is the day, I, today is my day of salvation, I have not fully <laughs> said yes to Jesus, then I want you to come to me over here and, and let's pray that prayer together. If you just want time at the altar to just confess an area in your life where you have not been living the new life that Christ has given you. You've taken on some of these old characteristics. You, you haven't done the thing that God has called you to. Then I want you to have time to just pray that before the Lord. It's just going to be a simple time to just be here in prayer together, and then I, I will finish us up, okay? So that's how we're going to end. Um, we're not, I'm not going to make you close your eyes or anything. We're just going to come as you want to pray. Amen.